Thursday, November 18th, 2020, you are listening to the Inquisitive Bro Podcast. On today's episode, we are somehow only one month away from the start of the NBA season, and the league's biggest names are already on the move. Where have they ended up? Where are the rest going? We're going to let you know. I guess everyone just woke up one day and decided they were disgruntled all at once at the same time. Remember when a five-year contract meant five years and not two years followed by a trade demand so you can go play 2K with your buddies in another city? Also, Lakers and Bucks retool. MJ drafts LeVar Ball's kid, guess it's time for that one-on-one they've been talking about, and Clay Thompson, man, tears his Achilles playing pickup ball. He's done for the season again. Man, that is devastating. Where do the Warriors go from here? Man, I thought they were going to be a top three team in the West. Now, I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. We're going to talk about that. Lots to discuss. Let's get right into it. I'm Andrew. He's Chris. The league's playing musical chairs. Let's go. So as we said in the intro, lots to discuss, lots going on in the NBA, but we're going to start with the lead story here, which is pretty obvious. Clay Thompson, devastating news, man. We just found out he tore his Achilles playing pickup ball. I thought these guys were going to make a comeback. This is going to be the comeback year for the Warriors. Now they're going to be flirting with a playoff spot. Thoughts on this? Well, I kind of share your thoughts. I mean, like it's obviously tremendously devastating for the Warriors and uh, NBA fans as a whole. Clay's a fun guy. I mean... He's one of the top NBA Twitter guys. You hear you uh, you look online. It's like Clay's getting white hot. He's one of the guys who can probably get more white hot than Steph. But, but man, I'm not even a fan of the Warriors. Like I spent the last four or five years rooting against them because I was I don't like Steph. I don't like his overconfidence. Uh, I didn't like their success. I didn't like when they got Durant, and I didn't like that they were beating LeBron James. So I'm not even a big fan. But between you and me, I was honestly looking forward to their resurgence here because I kind of missed watching them be them. And now we're not going to get to see well, yeah, it. Yeah, it's a good thing for the NBA when you have more good teams, especially this year. It was going to be super compelling. It's still going to be super compelling. But obviously, Clay being out, I mean, it overshadowed completely the NBA draft. This was supposed to be a big moment for the uh, Warriors franchise. Like, were they going to trade the number two pick? Were they not? How would the guy they take, which ultimately ended up being James Wiseman, we can talk about, how will he fit in with Steph, Clay, Draymond? And now that's pushed down another year. And frankly, I mean, you think about it, this could kind of be the end potentially of the Warriors dynasty run at least with this core an ACL injury is one thing you see guys come back from ACL injuries and be just as strong if not stronger physically you think about now this is football but a pressing example would be Adrian Peterson that came back from that ACL tear and then got over 2,000 yards rushing um, another example would be Derek Rose in the sense that you know, do you remember when he was coming back and it was the will he play, won't he play? People were talking about him throwing like 360 dunks in practice, yeah. but he didn't play. With Rose, it was a mental thing. It was always that. His physical was there, but there's the mental toll of having the injury. Who knows if that would have affected Clay? but the point is, I think everyone thought when you have an ACL injury, he would miss the time and then come back and essentially be the same guy. Achilles injuries are different. As of yet, there's no one that I can think of who's come back from an Achilles injury and been the same person. We'll see what happens with KD. Um, And I guess if you're looking for silver linings, there's a saving grace in the sense that Clay, while athletic, does not rely on his athleticism. He's obviously a pure shooter, and he should continue to do that. 
it just really sucks, man. It just it, it's annoying. It's yeah. it, it's so it's so unfortunate, especially to do in a pickup game. I know it's it's crazy, man. When I saw the news, I almost couldn't believe it because like we just came off a season-ending injury for him. Now to do another one, I mean, I can't even imagine how he's feeling right now. And even the Warriors franchise as a whole, like you think about it, they had Steph healthy, Clay healthy, Draymond healthy. They had traded for Andrew Wiggins, who was probably going to be a good trade piece with that number two pick. Like they had a lot of options, not only as the current team, but able to move guys around to contend. And now, like, who knows what's going on? We talked about this a little bit. They looks like they're about to sign or trade for Kelly Oubre from the Thunder. So that gives them another dynamic wing. But you're not filling the Clay Thompson spot with Oubre. No, but I guess that's correct. As we uh, tape this right now, which is um, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on uh, Thursday, uh, it appears, according to Woj, uh, that the Thunder are going to acquire Kelly Oubre uh, with the trade exception that they had created way back when, which we talked about in the last uh, NBA pod, when they traded uh, Andre Gudala. That trade exception expires on Monday, the 23rd, so they were already kind of incentivized to try to use it. And obviously with Clay happening, that they may have used this, they may have done this trade anyway, but it definitely makes it more um, urgent, I guess. We don't know yet what's going back. Probably a uh, protected first-round pick, a future first-round pick, because... I think Sam Presti fetishizes that yeah, <laughs> more than if, anyone if, else. For those who haven't been following it, OKC over the last like five days has just been loading up on draft picks. For the next 10 years, they've got all the draft picks. If you're young and you're good, you're going to OKC over the next 10 years. Yeah, they. I think they have like 18 picks now in it's the next wild. seven years. Now, I mean, obviously, like they're not going to take all those picks. They're probably going to package some either for a star or package some to move up in the draft. Who knows? But it's awesome to have them. That being said, it's easy to tear things down. It's a lot harder to build it back up. I mean, to throw some cold water on the OKC thing, like look at Boston. They had three first-round picks this year. They had picks galore, if you think back all the way to the Paul Pierce KG trade. How'd that turn out? They did get Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown was a part of that too, so two foundational pieces. But other than that, a lot of these other draft picks have been flops, and that's kind of like the nature of it, right? But not really talking about OKC. Uh, don't really care about them right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how the Warriors do with, like, Oubre and Wiggins on this team. Like, this team looks vastly different than the team we expected them to go into the season with. This team still looks pretty good. Oh, yeah, you... they are still going to be good. They're going to be good, but they're just not the team we were expecting. Yeah, it's much lower ceiling without Clay. I mean, if you add Clay and then you also added Oubre, that's a really interesting team. Now, with just Steph and then Wiggins, Oubre, like, those wings who are, like, they're solid guys. I believe that Wiggins can provide more value than he has with the Wolves um, under the tutelage of Steve Kerr and hopefully, like, in a better run organization. Um, That being said, I mean, this is a team that can very well miss the playoffs in a very stacked Western Conference that continues to get better at the teams like the Wolves and, like, the Suns, which we'll get into. Point is, though, uh, get well soon, Clay Thompson, man. That is... That is rough. Next season, after this season, can't come soon yeah. enough, man, because we want to see you back out there. Yeah, for sure. One of the funnest players. And you asked him, like, how he's feeling. He's probably feeling high right now. Either You think he's the... already under the knife? No. <laughs> no, I would say, like, either off pain meds or off his own uh, his own, his own self-medication. Medicinal marijuana. <laughs> to, to I don't think it's medicinal, but I think he's doing all right yeah. in terms of that sense. Let's switch then, switch gears to what happened last night that was overshadowed by the Clay Thompson uh, injury, and that's the draft. One thing I want to take off the bat is I really hate the coverage that they do for this. I like, s- you just hated it this year or you hate it every year? This year was really weird for me. Like, one, why are they playing music 
while the draft is being the, the pick is being chosen. Never used to do that. You go quiet when that happens, right? Like you should. You should hear Adam Silver. You should hear like the guys celebrate. And you should hear the the uh, the the ESPN people analyze the pick. Instead, they had like this uplifting music or motivational type music playing while it was happening. I found that odd. But the thing that I really disliked was the fetishization of like any sad thing that happened in this pick's life. And I get some of these guys have really hard upbringings, but I swear to God, I feel like the producers went to the pick as like did you have anything bad happen to you? And he'd be like, yeah, I have. It's like, yes, tell me more about it. Yeah, man, that's a good point. Like, there was a lot of that. And, like, there was more, like, uh, and this guy selected and then just tears, like, more than any typical year. Like, typically, this is a celebration, right? Well, I'm not, I mean, it's one thing for the players to cry themselves when it's, like, obviously an overwhelming moment. But, dude, um, typically, but, it's tears of joy. Yeah. Like, some guys, were, their names were being called, and they were sobbing in their laps as we were waiting for them to, like, step up to the microphone to say something. They weren't sitting at home in the PJs watching the draft and then getting their name called by accident. Like, if you thought you were going in the top 15 and then you went, like, 16th, like, is it that big of a surprise? Are you that emotionally overwhelmed by the news? Come on, man. Uh, I don't know. Some people are just like that, Is this the right? first year where they would, like, pick a guy and then show, like, a pre-recorded, like, story where they did an interview with them and, like, talked about their family? That seems different. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they always had, like, some sort of pre-recorded thing, but... Typically not. Maybe you think about it, it's like, and the pick is LeBron James, and then it cuts to the booth, and they go, yeah. LeBron James, back in high school, they show some highlights, they show his height. That's 03. I'm talking about, like, if you look at the, the, the last few drafts, I'm pretty certain that as, I mean, like, obviously, digital technology has improved... They would pick, they would make the pick, the guy would walk up, shake Silver's hand, and then in between that time when he's shook Silver's hand and he's going to have the sit-down interview with Malika Andrews, who, yeah. whoever has it. Um, Typically it's highlights. Or they show like some sort of a family piece. It doesn't have to be highlights. But what I'm saying is I think ESPN really blurred the line between the NBA draft and an episode of This Is Us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't too, like man. it, but yeah. whatever. I didn't want the NBA draft for me to be a tearjerker. Yeah, I would much rather just have them analyze the picks. And I wish they were a little bit more ballsy. I wish, like, the SBN guys would just say how you really feel. It's like, this guy sucks. But that, that's how it used to be. Yeah, and this is how we're going to be. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. First pick, Minnesota Timberwolves drafted Anthony Edwards. What would you think? This was the safest pick for them uh, in this draft. I mean, everyone knows that Anthony Edwards is not like the surefire superstar that you get with other first overall picks. That's not this draft. Now, what you get in Anthony Edwards is right away an NBA body. A guy can jump out of the gym. So, And he's also a shooting guard, which fits positionally with what the Wolves need. They already have D'Angelo. I feel like putting LaMelo with D'Angelo, as much as I would love to see it, and I've heard other people say the same thing, Basketball-wise, it would be absolutely atrocious. You want to see that is the same reason why people like watching car accidents. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But so what you get with Anthony Edwards, like I said, the body, but you also get, you know, a guy who has a questionable jump shot, questionable motor, he floats in and out, and really, like, the biggest comp he gets a lot is Andrew Wiggins, and that makes a lot of sense, and that is very worrisome considering that he's going to the same team that Andrew Wiggins just came from. But the thing that worries me most about about Anthony Edwards, and this is why I actually don't think he's going to be a star, is when you hear him say things like this. That ESPN story where he talks about he doesn't like basketball. He likes football. Okay, fine, fair enough. You can gloss over those things. But uh, that, hold up. You can gloss. That seems like a huge red flag. 
It's a welcome, red flag. Welcome it's to the a- Timberwolves. We play basketball. What do you think? Meh. I'm kind of a football guy. Yeah, it's not a red flag in of itself, but when you look at the whole body of uh, like the whole thing that is Anthony Edwards, there's like little breadcrumbs that start being dropped, and when you follow the trail, it starts getting more concerning. I mean, this is a guy who, granted, as the NBA draft made very clear, had some really real uh, and emotional family tragedies. Lost his grandmother and his mother, his two uh, parental figures, to cancer within the span of uh, eight months. That's awful. He was like 14 years old at the time, and they got taking, he got guardianship over him by his older siblings. He hasn't had a parental, um, an adult figure in his, in his life for quite some time. He goes to Georgia. Georgia's own coach even said in that ESPN uh, interview uh, that the thing he needs most is guidance. Well, where is he going? He's going to the Wolves. That is not exactly a culture of accountability here. That's a culture where your two best players are some of the most immature players in the NBA, right. specifically uh, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, Cat's no... a little more quiet, but yeah. well, he's a bit of a goofball too. Yeah, he is. Like, there's a reason why Jimmy Butler wanted out of there. Yeah. Jimmy did not like Cat. No. Jimmy knows what he wants and knows what he does not want. Yeah, he didn't want think, the Sixers and he didn't want the Wolves. Yeah, and I think he's been proven right on that. But, look, the thing is, like I said about the fact that Anthony Edwards admitted he doesn't like basketball, but he said, I started basketball because I could dunk. And basically, he's like, I, he realized he had that talent. He went from there. So this is a guy who's been coasting, and I mean it, coasting off his God-given talent. And it's gotten him this far. What I'm worried about is the fact that he's going to an organization that may very well let him continue to coast. And next thing you know, he ends up being, realistically, an Andrew Wiggins or Rudy Gay type guy where, yeah, he's going to be in the league a long time. That's how good he is and how athletically gifted he is. But I don't actually think he's going to be any more than that. Yeah, good take. You could be right. When you take him as a first overall pick, you'd like something a little more. But I just don't think that's what you're going to get. Given that, though, this was still the right pick. Like, this draft was so weak. Like, who else were you going to take? Yeah, that's another problem I have with the ESPN coverage is it's like they refuse to admit the fact that this is a really weak draft. Every single pick, they're like, I love it. Love the pick. And I get when you you don't want to trash a guy on his big day. But since when? We've been doing that for 25 years, and it's worked great. Everybody loved the draft. They used to a little bit, but, you know, they don't. They, they trash the front offices a little bit. They don't typically trash the player itself. And also, I think since Twitter and everything's come in, yeah, um, they've been a little bit more careful with this. I remember this. Charles used to trash players. Jalen Rose used to trash players. Bill Simmons used to do these a couple years. He would trash guys. He didn't trash them. He would. They would just uh, point out some potential concerns. There's kind of a difference. That's a very nice way of saying he would just shit on them. No, he wouldn't shit on them. Paid. Even like Bill, even Bill Simmons with the. Even Bill Simmons with the, his most famous one, Anthony Bennett, when he got draft number one, and Bill's like, wow! Um, he didn't trash Anthony Bennett. They were just surprised, and they try to talk about the good things that a team could see in them. What I'm saying is, though, like... What good things did they see in Anthony Bennett? He was uh, <laughs> he was a big three, like a mobile four, potentially a tweener in a good way. He could dunk. He was young, and it turns out that he... Couldn't do any of those things. He was a tweener in a bad way and also had asthma. But we don't, and also didn't have NBA skills. We don't have to talk about Anthony Bennett. But. All right, Anthony Edwards, not a bad first pick. We'll go to number two, Warriors. Devastating news about Clay Thompson. Now they're making this pick. James Wiseman, thoughts? 
Well, they tried to move out of this pick. I mean, everyone in the top three or four tried to move out. It's kind of funny when you hear the teams from like five to eight were like, oh, we're totally cool where we are. And that goes into the pressures of being an NBA GM where you feel like, shit, like I need to hit this pick. Um, and I hate everyone around us. And everyone knows, like, everyone knows that you need to hit it and they hate what's up there. You'd rather have a lower leverage uh, a lower pressure pick than a high pressure pick here. But with number two, I think Wiseman was probably the best choice for them. He has star potential. I don't know why people don't say he has star potential. The guy's seven foot one, seven foot six wingspan, and moves really well, and also has a pretty good jump shot. The thing is, like a lot of big men, he falls in love with it. So I think he's going to the perfect place for him to go. He doesn't have to be a star right away. Forget the fact that he's a number two overall pick. I mean, he's far from the most famous player on his own team, right? That's very rare for uh, a top a top five pick yeah. when they're going to typically what's a crap team. Man, his highlight package was maybe the most impressive out of anybody in this draft. Like, I'm surprised they weren't giving more Dwight comparisons. He's not the as, way he moved as a big man. The way he was able to get off the floor quickly. He's not as physically shots. he's not as physically powerful as Dwight, and also didn't put up the same stats. I mean, it's hard. He only played three games with Memphis, and then you have like his his high school stuff. But look, right away, the guy can do some stuff that will help the Warriors. One, like he's huge, can't change that. Like can't teach size. He can run better. This isn't exactly like Hashim Thabit. He has decently soft hands. He's gonna be able to block some shots. He can set some screens, roll, throw down some lobs. Easy. Worst case scenario, this guy can be Javale McGee. 2.0 in his first year probably a little better to be honest and probably, then go yeah. from there i see him like where he may not hit like a star a star ceiling and that's fine like i mean he's going to be a solid pro can he be miles turner yeah he can be miles turner would the warriors love to get miles turner for nothing basically just a free pick from yeah why not like he's going to have some use i just don't know in the grand scheme of things where he's going to fit in the rotation and everything like Kevon Looney may play over him in crunch time, but he's solid. And I like it better than the other guys that they had available. I think it's like the smart pick given what was available. All right. Well, with that being said, let's talk about the next guy being available. And this was really the biggest name of the draft. The guy with the most hype, whether he was the best player or not is up for debate, but certainly had the most hype around him. Number three, MJ's Hornets draft. None other than LaMelo ball. Yeah. You mentioned this in the lead, but I guess, I wonder if Jordan Lowkey just did this to finally get Lavar's one on one and just to eviscerate him. <laughs> and, and then, then just, bench and then his releases kid. <laughs> and just like lets Lamelo go. Just out of spite. No, I mean look, as much as I am not a fan of what I think Lamelo Ball is and what I have an idea of what his personality is. Now granted that's just through what you see in interviews and what but I believe he is I said this before, where Lonzo Got a lot of hype, but Lonzo was a quiet, introverted guy. He is not his dad. LaMelo is his dad. LaMelo is very outgoing, very confident, very brash. Very arrogant. He can definitely toe that line. Um, yeah, man. Like, there's some serious concerns with this guy. Yeah. Okay, here's a problem with LaMelo Ball. Once you are in the league, okay, there are two things you need to succeed. One, ability. He certainly has ability. Nobody's doubting his talent. Two, you need professionalism, both on and off the court. I don't know if he has any of it. You know me, man. I've been calling this guy Nick Young for years now. Because yeah. he's a clown. He's a talented goof. Like, I just don't know if it's going to work out. Point guard Nick Young. I mean, I don't hate the comparison. I think it might be actually very apt. Um, and it may turn out years from now, everyone says that Lamelo has the highest like star potential in this draft. 
And I mean, like I said, weak draft. So take that with a grain of salt. But it could turn out that years from now, you look back and realize like, no shit LaMelo flopped. Just look at him, right? Like look at the whole package and everything. I mean, if I was running a front office, I would actually just probably put a giant red flag on this guy. It's like, do not draft no matter what. Because I don't want to deal with that shit. These guys are not the type of players that I would want in my... uh, on my organization. I don't think he's a hard worker. I don't think he provides the right type of defensive mindset and culture mindset that you want. I mean, this guy was a celebrity when he was 16 years old. I mean, what are you going to do, right? Like, he's, he he's already thinks... He's basically a Kardashian. Yeah, he already thinks he's a fucking shit. Like, yeah, and that was before he made the NBA. Now, that being said, one, going to a small market, I think will actually very much help him. It helped his brother the bubble aside, but Lonzo did a lot better once he got to New Orleans. I think getting out of the spotlight, because Charlotte, you are not in the spotlight. No, would you're really actually help, in the dark. Charlotte yeah, has no lights. Yeah, it would really help LaMelo. And my other point on this is I wonder how much of this this pick was also uh, um, motivated by business a business decision. Charlotte is a small market team. It's the exact type of team that would have in the back of their mind what is going to put butts in seats once you're allowed to do that. LaMelo is the one rookie that's well-known that could probably do it. I think in this case, they kind of get the best of both worlds, get likely the best guy available, and also the guy who's got the biggest name. I just think it could totally flop on them. We'll see. It could, but like I'm trying to think if they really had any other options. Like If they pass on him and it succeeds, MJ's going to get roasted. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. It's kind of a no-win situation for MJ when you think about it. Either he passes on LaMelo, and if LaMelo ends up popping, he's going to get ripped on. Or he takes LaMelo and LaMelo ends up being a bust. And next thing you know, it's like, of course, he was going to be a bust. MJ again, like, or sucking. option C, LaMelo's actually really good, finishes his rookie contract, and then says, see you later. Well, he'd still have to take the qualifying offer uh, if he wanted he to get He's not a, a small market guy. This guy's looking for the big cities as soon as possible. Yeah, 100%. But look, Charlotte has him now. He's uh, at the very least an asset. <laughs> he, and, he's Charlotte's uh, problem now. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it could work out, but... LeVar, his pops, is also Charlotte's problem now. Apparently, like, this is complete uh, sidetrack, but apparently LeVar, one of the things he wanted to do was he would call the Lakers and try to get his the, the middle brother, Leangelo, on the Lakers G League team. He was saying stuff like... I was listening to the, the, the Ryan Rosillo podcast, too. He mentioned this. Um, there's He was saying stuff like, you could do it if you could. And the Lakers guy's like, yeah, if we wanted to we could do a lot of things yeah we're the lakers (laughs) we can make a lot of things happen so i wonder if uh the g league affiliate for uh for for charlotte starts getting those leangelo pitches i'm sure they do (laughs) i'm sure a lot of people do he will not rest until all three of his kids are playing in the nba on the same team that would be sick i'd be in for it all right so those were the top guys in this draft the biggest names a couple notables you want to talk about the rest of the guys Kind of random. Don't really know them. We'll see how they pan out. I'm sure there'll be some good sleepers as the years go by. Who do you want to talk about? Yeah, I guess like there's a couple. There's a, a few interesting guys if you really want to get in the weeds of uh, NBA draft. But a few guys I want to talk about. One, Obi Toppin going to the New York Knicks at number eight. Um, he looks like a great kid. He's one of the guys who cried. I mean, I guess there's like 20 guys who cried when they got drafted. But he's a New York City kid, which is cool. I just feel like this is potentially set up to fail in the most Nixian fashion ever. So, like, think about this first. Before the pick was taken, ESPN guys are talking about, like, I really like this pick for Tyrese Halliburton, who is a guy who's been rising up draft boards. And if you look at any of the well-regarded NBA guys, love Halliburton. Halliburton was, like, huge. And the Kings took him, and they're like, oh, my God, the Kings actually made a good pick. But So they're talking about guys like Tyrese Halliburton. 
Um, so instead, they take Obi Toppin, the New York City kid, who's tw- almost 23 years old. And, like, being 23 years old is not a bad thing in of itself. Guys can develop at different ages. I mean, you can take a 19-year-old and you can suck. But <laughs> it becomes a bad thing if he flops, and then next thing you know, you got Knicks fans screaming, like, we took a 23-year-old! Right. But <laughs> when, you know Knicks fans, man, they're going to gripe about everything. Yeah, but, so here's the thing. Obi Toppin, like, they talk about all this dr- dunking and stuff, and, like, that's great. Like, he was compared to Amari Stoudemire, but, like, come on, like, if this guy was actually a real comp to Amari Stoudemire, he would have gone a lot higher in this draft. I yeah. texted you this, and I just want to say this to Pod. Like, I, I texted you this when I was looking at him. I was like, tell me how this guy isn't just Larry Nance Jr. with, like, a slightly better jump shot. Yeah, he very well Larry Nance Jr. dunks. This guy dunks. Like, Dunks are good. Yeah, but that doesn't make you a star. Imagine, like, they're in the green room. They're like, okay, guys, who are we going to draft? They're like, well, this guy dunks. I like him. I like it a lot. Who's that guy? Yeah. Send him in. Get our advanced scouts. Does anyone else dunk in this draft? It's like, we don't have advanced scouts. Okay, we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, like, look, Grant's a very good player at Dayton. But I just, you look at the guy, and all the scouting reports talk about how he can't defend a lick. Like, truly can't defend a lick, but offensively he looks pretty good. But I still see a guy just dunks a ton. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's probably, I think... A rich man's version of Larry Nance Jr. is not actually that bad a comp for him. It I mean, this could out be a be case, case where a 23-year-old with a 23-year-old's body was picking on college kids, and now he's going to the NBA with men, and those skills are not going to translate. Yeah. You know what else he needs? A point guard. You know what New York doesn't have? A point guard. You know what else New York doesn't have? Anything. Yeah. Although I do think they'll get... I mean, if you want to talk about Russell Westbrook uh, <laughs> rumors, I think he's New York Knicks mound. Another guy uh, that I'm really interested in, uh, just because I think he's going to be hilarious bust is we mentioned him before, but Alexis Pukusevsky. Yeah, give us, to, give us went, his dimensions. <laughs> he went number 17 to OKC, and he's been linked to OKC for a long time, actually. They basically gave him a promise. He's out of the Greek League, although he's Serbian, so you get, like, those Giannis kind of uh, vibes. Okay, all um, right. A lot of grainy photo with him. This guy is 7 feet 200 pounds. He's a guard, except if you look at his highlights... Maybe one of them does he dunk. He doesn't actually do in-game dunks, and he's seven foot tall, and he's a stick. Like, look, I don't hate it as a project per se, but this reminds me of when the Raptors took Bruno Caboclo. I think he's going to be a huge bust. Like, I just don't think he's going to work out. I refuse to believe that a guy who's, like, seven feet, 200, and looks like a literal stick man is actually going to succeed in the NBA. But, like, just the fact that he's a seven foot tall, like, guard, like, what are you going to have him do, bring the ball up the court? He has, like, pretty good guard skills. Like, he's a fine playmaker and but everything. You know shoot you know a little bit in guard theory. Skills? Guards. That's true. Yeah. There's lots of them out there. Hey, but if you can, like, imagine if Chris Paul was seven feet tall. Chris Paul wouldn't be Chris Paul if he was seven feet tall. He'd be somebody else. Because Chris Paul can't be Chris Paul with an extra 12 inches on his Dude, frame. Dude, he'd be sick. Like, you got to think about how 2K would do it, right? Like, this is my player shit. I don't know. I get you're going to put him on a weight program, nutritionist, and everything. And This he guy could... actually, now that you mentioned it, probably will be awesome in 2K. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like, it's kind of like Bull Bull, too, right? Like, he's completely a project. He's a reach where it's like, hey, at 17, we don't really know who else to take. We like the potential of this guy, but it's definitely a long shot. You're just rolling the dice. Is there a 20% chance that this guy becomes something good? Maybe versus like the the sure thing kind of rotation players you can get. I guess they're going for the star play. They have tons of picks anyway. So. You said put him on like a nutrition plan. He doesn't need nutrition. Just eat anything. If you see it in front of you and it's edible, just eat it. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Anybody else you want to talk about real quick? We're going to wrap up this draft. Yeah, I guess uh, talk about the Raptors guy since we're both Raptors fans. Um, Malachi Flynn at 29. 
Uh, I, I like this pick. It's a classic Raptors fit. I mean, fits their mold perfectly. Uh, he's a tough, cerebral player. He can defend already. He was one of the best uh, guard defenders in uh, in his conference. Um, looks like an all-around player. You know, like good at defense, solid shooter, good pick-and-roll ball handler. I think he could come in and be kind of like a a role-playing point guard off the bench. Realistically, though, the Raptors are pretty deep. We're not going to see this guy play minutes for at least a couple years. No, I disagree. I think like you'll start, you'll see him play minutes next year. See how he does in the regular season, obviously. And that garbage will... time minutes. No. He's not going to be in the rotation. I think he can very well play himself in the rotation. Yeah, I do. He's like he's pretty good. I I can see him being a fourth guard behind Norm Powell as our third guard. Yeah, okay, but how many minutes does the fourth guard get? Depends on the game. He's not playing in like your tight playoff rotation, but in the regular season, he can get minutes. I think he'll have some games like where he he uh, plays well. I mean, I think he's got like decent basketball skills. I don't think he, he doesn't have star potential. No, but. I think he has a low floor. I think this guy will be in the league for a long time. You know, he's compared to Fred Van Vliet. I think that's pretty generous, obviously. What I kind of see him as is like a rich man's Matthew Delvadova. Like, (laughs) hey, I mean, look, it's the 29th pick. These guys generally don't even work out. The fact that I kind of think that this guy might be a rotation player at 29, hey, that's something. And a rich man's Matthew Delvadova at 29, fuck, I'd take that. All right, that's it. Draft is done. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Inquisitive Bro Podcast. We know you listen to us, but more importantly, we want to hear from you. Did you disagree with one of our takes? Did you catch a mistake that we made? Do you have your own take about something we discussed that maybe we didn't consider or fail to mention? If that's the case, we want to hear from you. Hit us up on Instagram at the Inquisitive Bro. Or if you want to just reach out and say what up, that's cool too. If you make a good point, bring us an interesting take of your own, or you get us talking about something cool you brought to the table, you just may hear us giving you a shout out and discussing your take on our next podcast. All right, well, we're not done yet. As always, thanks for listening. Now, back to the pod. All right, man, so as we teed it up in the intro, this has been a crazy past few weeks with some of these massive names that have been like either traded or are in talks to being traded. We're going to start with the biggest one. This is how it went down. This is by far the biggest free agency story in a long time, and nothing has even happened yet, and nothing may happen. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I do. Okay, so what's happening here is early this week, it was leaked, and I'm doing this in quotations, leaked, that James Harden not only wants out, but that he specifically wants to go to Brooklyn and join KD and Kyrie. In this process, he also turned down $50 million a year for two years. $50 million each year turned it down. I don't Houston actually. Okay, first of all, I don't think the fifty million dollars is like actually that shocking a thing. Would have been the biggest contract in NBA history. Okay, like he. First of all, that contract's still going to be there if he decides to stay in Houston for whatever reason. If he like changes his heart, that extension will still be there. One, two. He's already making forty million dollars a year. It's not like you're going from zero dollars or a normal person's salary to fifty million dollars. You're like. Nah. <laughs> I know, I know, but still, $100 million over two his years, next, that's a lot of money. I don't care true. who you are. That's a that lot is, of money but, to just be like, I'm good. But his next extension is going to be 45 plus anyway. He's going to make it up. It's like, it, that's kind of a drop in the bucket for him, to be honest. $100 million over two years? These guys are making such crazy money anyway. Only Houston's going to be able to match that. Nobody else is going to be able to come Look, close. Yeah, but he he's still gonna, like, he goes to the Nets, for example. Like, he's still going to have his $40 million salary, and then they'll offer him an extension. It'll be in the 40s, like high, mid to high 40s, blah, blah, blah. I'll keep going. 
he can make it up. He is not in the poorhouse by turning down this no, 50 No, I know, but man, must be nice to be able to turn down 50 yeah. a year for two years. All I'm saying is I think that part of it has been completely overblown just because it's a big number and it's like, ooh, $50 million, a nice round number. I mean, the trade request itself is what it like is actually juicy. Okay, so tell us the story of how it actually went down that these things started to play out. Yeah, like, so apparently it's not so much that, like, Harden and Westbrook hate playing with each other. It's just one, I mean, that that Houston uh, organization is in complete turmoil. One thing to note is their owner, Tillman Fertitta, all his money is in hotels and restaurants, which I don't know if you've noticed, have been hit pretty hard by this COVID thing. Yeah, not a lot of people going out to fine dining these yeah. days. Yeah, uh, so he's trying to cut cash. And you can see that actually with the, the Robert Covington trade that they made to the Blazers, which we could talk about. But the point is, see the writing on the wall. I mean, freaking D'Antoni left Houston, wanted to leave Houston so bad he went to become an assistant. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But look, what happened basically is Harden is playing these pickup games with his buddy Katie and Katie's friend Kyrie. They're playing these pickup games. They start talking like, hey, like we could totally play together. It'd be fucking sick. We'd all be happy. Like... It'd be like a 2K team, basically. Harden's like, yeah, yeah, I'd like that. I mean, there's probably no way he's going to win a championship in Houston anyway. So he apparently kind of secretly asked for a trade. That pisses off Russ. Russ is like, fuck you. You're not asking for a trade. I'm asking for a trade, and I'm making it public. Right. And so later it comes out that Harden asked for a trade too, but apparently Harden asked for the trade first. But point is, everyone's happy in Houston. Everyone wants out. Harden likely going to be traded. I don't think he needs to be traded now. In fact, if I'm Houston's front office, I just have an urge to tell him to go fuck himself and like see you at training camp. But I wouldn't be surprised in a couple weeks he's gone to the Nets. Man, that never works out when you tell your star player. Like when two of your best guys both publicly say, we don't want to be here anymore. It's very tough to then start the season with those guys on your roster. Well, first of all, it's one thing with like uh, Russ saying, I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, if I'm the front office, like, hey, Russ, like, I hear you. I don't want you here either. Like, but nobody will take you. We, <laughs> yeah. try to get, we call everybody. Yeah. Nobody wants you. Yeah, I, like, let's work together to try to get you out of here. I'm trying to get you out. What are you doing? Let's, like, let's team project here with James. It's a lot, it's a lot different. James is a top five player in the league, MVP candidate every single year. But the thing about James com- compared to a lot of these other uh, trade requests is James has not just one year left. He has two years left, two years before his option. So he really doesn't have a choice in the matter per se, other than trying to leverage his star power to try to see if Houston wants to get as much as possible. But it works every time. Whenever a star says, get me out of here, the franchise gets them out of there because you can't keep a guy like that on your team. That's true. I mean, it Dude, does Anthony work. Davis did it. He was getting booed by his own fans until they traded him. You know what I would have done if I was the ownership for Anthony Davis? This is like incredibly petty, but I would love to do this with with these trade uh, these trade requests because I actually hate them. Especially when like, dude, I'm paying you millions of dollars, and like maybe you're not winning a championship, but don't ask for a trade like because you're the second you get pissed off. I don't know. Yeah. I just like if you do a dick thing like that, then like maybe I get to do a dick thing to you. And one thing I would love to do is. Tell the coach, if you would listen to this anyway, basically put him in for one minute, then take him out. So then his per-game stats are atrocious. And he'll always have that on his basketball reference. The year that he played 82 games, played one minute per game, averaged 0.2 points per game. Circumstance aside, everyone will know, oh, that's the year he got fucked over. That'll always be there in history. It'll piss them off. Yeah, and it would that'll be also like, be very concerning if you're somebody looking to sign with the Pelicans. I know. There's there's so much other stuff in there. Like The NBA would definitely stop it after like a few games. Yeah, you for would, sure. 
tank your uh in i mean the pelicans have no sway with players anyway but <laughs> free agents but it would completely tank your chances of getting anyone yeah um there's a lot of politics i just think as a petty side that would be hilarious so let's talk about the feasibility of this hardened move at first i'm thinking listen they got a good team they're gonna run it back you're right they don't need to trade Harden. then out of nowhere they trade covington to the blazers great three and d guy uh for a couple first round picks now i'm thinking okay they're moving away from competing and they're looking to rejig this thing. Now it's even more likely they move away from Russ and Harden if it's doable. Yeah. I mean, I was going to save this maybe to the end, but I'll just say this now. The Blazers trade for Covington is actually like low-key my sneaky favorite trade of the offseason so far. It's great. I think it's amazing for yeah. the Blazers. He's going to fill the role that Carmelo filled, but better. Yeah, but better. Yeah, he's the type of small forward they've been missing for a long time. Um, and it'll work great, but I digress. Uh, this is a complete salary dump for Houston. There's no other way to put it. They worked hard to get Covington to Houston last year when they traded Capella. Now they're just getting rid of him in a clear salary dump. If they're trying to compete, they don't give up Robert Covington. He's good, and he helps them. But, yeah, it definitely signals that they're trying to uh, dump off salary, and I think they're definitely looking towards a rebuild. If you look at the Western Conference, the way it's structured... They're not the favorite, even if they did keep everyone. Um, They're probably still top four, top five. Yeah, you know, like, actually, Clay Thompson getting hurt actually helps their chances more, but they're not looking good. You can definitely get a huge return for Harden. It's just whether they want to do it now. Okay, so let's talk about where, if he's moving, where he could possibly go. There's really just two teams. Yeah. There's Brooklyn and there's Philadelphia. You start a bidding war between both of them. Like, I'm, I'm pretty certain that Harden is going to move because, like you said, when those star players make those decisions, they do move. It's just yeah. a matter of, like, whether you wait. If and he, they probably won't wait. They if, probably won't wait. No, they probably won't. If he goes to Brooklyn, here's what the package probably looks like. Dinwiddie, Levert, Allen, and maybe some picks. Well, it's not maybe some picks. It's definitely some picks. Okay, so that's that package. The The package coming from the Sixers is probably Embiid plus guys. The The Sixers package is... Better. No, well, no, what I want to say is your six, the Sixers package is, hey, pick Ben or Joel. Who do you want, right? You can't get both. Who do you want between them? And then you put in some filler, maybe yeah. an extra pick. If I'm Houston, I probably want Ben. I think Ben Simmons is the more interesting prospect. I think you can basically just build a team around him and do what they do in in Milwaukee with Giannis. I think they're very similar molded players, very skilled. I think and uh, I think you'd make up pretty well with that. He's the blue chip guy. I th- I would try to leverage basically what I would want to do is I want to get the blue chip guy. I don't like Karis LeVert, uh, Jared Allen, Spencer Dimwindy, all nice players. And plus the mismatch of picks I would ask for. Like, if you look at... Those those three guys plus picks with Russ on that team, if Russ ends up staying, not a bad team. They would be good. Yeah, they, they would, would not good. win a championship, but they would be good. They would make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much... It would be the Russ show again with a great supporting cast. Yeah. Um, They would they would be really good. It's just long-term wise, you're not getting a blue chip guy. Spencer right. Dinwiddie, he's nice. Like, tell me how he's not different than to like a Devin Harris, for example. But then again, I mean... <laughs> There's a lot of background stuff to this, too. Agents have pull. Players are talking all the time. Like, he wants to go to the Nets, so there's a good chance he can end up on the Nets, which would be an interesting team. Okay, so now you got Harden, ball dominant. Kyrie, ball dominant. KD, ball dominant. Does this thing even work, man? I think it can, but I think it could also fail tremendously. As much as, like, from a competitive standpoint, as a Raptors fan, I would be very scared if the Nets got 
uh, James Harden from a basketball fan, I would not be able to turn my eyes away. Because you talk about like the can't look away from a, a car crash. Yeah. This could be the biggest car crash ever. Yeah, but they would be the dri- most. Hold up. Do you know who's driving this car that crashed? It's Kyrie Irving. They would be the most scrutinized team since the Heat. And yeah. the Heat were well liked by a big proportion of the fans. I don't think Kyrie wants this deal to go down. No, not at all. Because. When you look at the history of these big threes, and there's like now enough sample size to kind of see how it works, is the top two guys don't hurt that much. The top two guys do fine. It's the third guy that suffers. Chris Bosh changed the arc of his career. I mean, Chris is not going to complain about it. Like He was a good soldier, but he wasn't averaging the 24 points per game that he did with the Toronto. He was yeah. lower than 20. Same with Kevin Love. Kevin Love, but it went the other way. With Even worse for Kevin Love, his entire perception has changed. He got ruined by this, right? Yeah, well, like, because Kevin Love as a third man did not fill the role that Chris Bosh filled as a third no, man. No, no, but like, I mean some guys are better than others the point is the third man gets hurt i mean ray allen too like yeah. ray allen did well but he went from averaging 25 like 20 points per game but to here's the thing about all these 17. other these other big threes none of them were the point guard on this team right like it's very hard for the guy bringing the ball up to court to then deflect and go sit in the corner and let these other guys do it i don't know if it's gonna work what makes you think that Kyrie is bringing the ball up the court he's not it's gonna be james yeah but he's gonna be the off guard yeah. well this is the thing this is the thing right like the third guy who's the third guy between james kd and Kyrie? It's Kyrie. Kyrie which means he's the one that's going to have to suffer. He's not going to like that. Kyrie's a ball handler, right? Pick and roll. KD, he's the pure scorer. He's not going to go away. But pick pick and roll ball handler, James Harden does that, does that better, right? So now KD, Kyrie is like, you're going to pick and roll sometimes, but you're also going to go in that corner and be a secondary playmaker. Next thing you know, he might be pissed off. But hold up. Kevin Love, Chris Bosh, and Ray Allen as third guys on those big threes, they're all great off the ball. Harden and Kyrie have never played off the ball, ever. They're incapable of playing off the ball. Oh, that's actually... James Harden was not not playing off the ball in OKC. He was coming off the bench. No, he was coming off the bench. So he had the ball in his hands with that second unit. Okay, Kyrie's never been off the ball, ever. He was the man before LeBron got there, and then with LeBron, he was the second guy there. Played a little off ball? Really not. There's plenty of ball they they shared between two guys. No, look, you're not completely wrong with what you said, but you're not... It's not I think completely right. Seven percent right. When James was with OKC, he did play a little off ball. When he played with Russ and KD, he did, and he would relocate. But that was a long time ago, and ever since he left, he's never played off. Let's ball. be real. Kyrie played a little off ball with LeBron. He this, did, but this they're will not, not fail because of their skill sets. It'll fail because of their mindsets. They we, have the talent to play together. Can we they put do. that on like a shirt or something? What a quote. Yeah, that's not <laughs> bad. Eh? I came up with that right now on the spot, just like that. I love it. I mean. I can't disagree with that. I think that's how it would go. Kyrie ultimately thought he was too big to be LeBron's Robin, okay? So he goes to Boston, and he realizes... Yeah, he didn't like Boston. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm also starting to take a back seat. The whole point of going with KD is, like, I'm going to be the second guy or kind of like 1B, with, and we're going to win a championship together. James comes in here, Kyrie does not want that. He definitely does not want that. Especially once he sees he's averaging like 17 points per game or something. Yeah. And like, or they're losing and people start blaming Kyrie. Like, he's going to be petty about it for 100%. sure. Yeah. When you talk about Nets packages, they're not going to do this, but the idea of like swap them, yeah. get them out of there. Yeah. Bring it hard and send Kyrie out. Dude, yeah. I would do that. If I was in Nets franchise, I would do that in a heartbeat. Kyrie is a locker room sickness. Get him out of here, man. 
Send him to Houston. He's Houston's problem now. Harden, KD on that team, love it. Yeah, and then I'd rather you have keep, the... And then you can keep your pieces. You keep your Dinwiddies, your Leverts. That is a great team. Do that trade. Do yeah, it right you now. You keep your Dinwiddies, Leverts, and Allens, and like some of the picks. I mean, you'd have to give up more than just Kyrie. That would be the ultimate Harden. backstab on KD's part because you know before making that move, they're talking to him about it, and he gives the okay. Yeah, man, that would be incredible. Well, that's why it wouldn't happen unless, like, unless maybe KD's playing chess and everyone else was playing checkers type maybe, of thing. But maybe that's why it's not going to happen. It's too juicy. I think what's going to happen is there's a good chance they they team up and then it would just be great theater. ESPN would send all their writers there. They would be the next big thing, except that they would be villains for sure. Whereas a lot of these big teams, like some people hate them, some people love them. I think the Nets would be like 99% disliked because there's a bunch of the NBA malcontents and, uh, you know, yeah. Like the <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we'll see how that goes down. If it does happen, that'll be very exciting. And honestly, it could happen any day now. It really could. Gun to my head, I think James Harden has traded this offseason. Yeah, I think so too at this point. Okay, let's talk about the team that has been tearing up the East regular season-wise for the past couple of years, the Bucks. They, okay, hold up. The Bucks, man, when, like... I thought they had no chances offseason to get better. I thought Giannis was for sure going to bail. I looked at their roster and I'm go, I'm like, they got nobody to trade. There's no way they can bring pieces in. Somehow they pull off this great trade for Drew Holiday, sending Bledsoe out. Like, great move. I like their chances. Is it a great move? I think it's a great move. You don't like it? I love the basketball fit. Yeah. I mean, I looked at, so, I looked at cleaning the glass and some of the stuff. Like, so Drew Holiday, like, he's not an elite three-point shooter. He's good enough. 35.3% last year. That's solid. Um, he's a terrific defender. If you look at his on-off splits, huge differences. So the Pelicans' defense, when he's on, improved by 6.3 points per possession. That's the 90th percentile in the league, but to put in perspective, like the difference in the 6.3 points per possession, uh, points per 100 possessions, I should say, is the Raptors were second last year at 105 points per 100 possessions. If you drop that by 6.3 they're down in the late teens with the Suns and stuff. So, like, huge difference. The Bucks were already the number one defense. They're going to continue to be that, especially with Drew. That's where their forte is going to be. I think a combination of Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday is amazing. It's going to be really good. They did also, like, kind of panic over pay. Like, they gave up a ton of picks. Um, they did, yeah, but, dude, they're... They, okay, hold up. They had to do this. They had no choice. They are in keep Giannis mode. I know, I agree. Yeah, the picks, it's like, if Giannis leaves, the picks are relevant anyway because you're not going to be good for a few years, so That's why they're very relevant. Well, no, because, like, the picks, you have to hit them, you have to draft right, they have to pan out. Like, there was a small chance that you're going to be able to turn those picks into a good draft pick anyway. No, 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 you're wrong. There's 22, they... The, the Pelicans are shorting the, the, the Bucks' future, right? They got a 2025 pick and a 2027 pick. Unprotected. So the, if Giannis leaves and the Bucks in 2025 are bad, that pick goes to no, the, no, I, the Pelicans. Yeah. No, no, I know, but this is what I'm saying. Like, that pick still had to pan out, right? Even if it was a top pick, you right. still have to turn it into a great player. Right, I mean, They've yeah. They've got that's... Drew Holiday now. All they're thinking yeah. is that we got to make sure Giannis doesn't leave. Yeah, we got to no. make sure he signs the Supermax and stays. The only way to do that was to bring in win-now players, and that's what they did. They don't have to have him sign the Supermax. Like, look, I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm saying, like, this has the potential to be a drastic overpay. You can see the parallels with the late uh, 2000s uh, Cavs when they were trying to keep LeBron the first time, making terrible moves, but like big swing for the fences moves that didn't work out and LeBron left anyway. This is kind of the same thing, potentially. I mean, Drew Holiday is a free agent after this year. He could technically leave. He now, could. Now, maybe yeah. they think he'll resign. 
Giannis, same thing. He could leave, and the next thing you know, you have Middleton and no picks, for example. It seems that Giannis is intrigued by this. Like, you've heard some things. For example, Brian Windhorst seems to think that Giannis has given him some sort of promise that he may stay. Now, that might not be the Supermax. That could be, for example, like a big two-year deal, and he may leave later, but that's still better than what they were facing. Like, if he signs for a two-year deal, great. Push the decision down the line. I'm not sure about that. Like, he could still leave, but at this very moment, they've gotten better, and they're definitely a championship contender. Well, hold up. They got better, but they almost got even better with that Bogdan Bogdanovich trade, which ended up not happening. (laughs) Yeah, they tried to do a sign-and-trade, and and it turns out that you actually have to have the guy want to sign before you trade. Leave it to the Kings to blow up the sign-and-trade. What about, like... I mean, how the Bucks blow this up? You're trying to show Giannis that you're a competent franchise, screwing up a sign-in trade. But like, what were the Bucks gonna do? Like, they had a deal in part with the Kings, and then the Kings went to Bogdan and said, "This is what we're gonna do." And he goes, "Ah, I'm gonna test free agency." Like, this would have been. Listen, Bogdan's great, great for that on that team. Like, he's like Brogdon light, which is what they were missing last year, and they traded him for nothing. It was Divincenzo, nobody, Wilson, nobody, and Ilyasova, who the Bucks actually just released. Yeah, because he has a non-guaranteed money. They were, he was going to be released in the trade anyway. Yeah. Right? So it, was, it means it that was that trade, trade is dead. And their trade... Like, talk about an awkward thing. When DiVincenzo coming out, it's like, hey! Like, Buddy! <laughs> so, you know, we never actually... We were so happy that trade didn't happen. Like, yeah. we actually like you better. Yeah, we're, we're super glad you're here. It's Thanks. like, hey, my, uh, my, <laughs> my name tag in my locker, it still says uh, Bogdanovich. Ooh, let me just change that. Yeah, we're getting that done. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. We're going to have it all fixed up. Yeah. Um, speaking of Brogdon, just last point on this, because, yeah, love the trade for Drew. Like I said, Bogdanovich was a great trade. Too bad it didn't work out. Looks bad. We'll see what happens now. But I want to say, like, the Drew Holiday trade and the fact that they'd give up so much brings home the point even more. Like, why are you so stupid not to sign Brogdon in the first place? Right. He's a good player. Drew Holiday's a better player. Well, they didn't want to pay him. Yeah, but they probably should have. Yes, they definitely should have. Um, which is a mistake. I mean, they had a chance, now they lost him, right? Drew Holiday's a better player than uh, Brogdon, but Brogdon did a lot of things that Drew Holiday can do and that they were missing last year. Maybe you don't actually have to do the trade. You know, Brogdon uh, with Eric Bledsoe was a pretty good backcourt. Eric Bledsoe's uh, limitations notwithstanding. And in fact, you know what's an even better backcourt? Brogdon and Drew Holiday. You could still, you could have, in theory, still done the same trade, and then yeah. you have Brogdon, Drew Holiday, Giannis Middleton, and uh, Lopez. That's a pretty good starting lineup. That's probably a championship team, but they messed up. They're never yeah, getting brought yeah. back. That's it. And so now they messed up, and until Giannis signs that deal, then they, they, they still, like, they're still on the clock. But this team could totally win. Hey, guys. Hope you're enjoying the pod so far. You know, here at the Inquisitive Bro, we're always thinking about ways to enhance your listening experience. And that's why I'm very excited to tell you about a new podcast add-on we're doing called Pod Notes. Now, you may be wondering, well, what are Pod Notes and where can I find them? Well, basically, during the podcast, you may hear us from time to time make references to videos, images, charts, or graphs that we can't visually share with you because, well, you're listening to us. This is where pod notes come in. All the visual references that we make during the podcasts are going to be bundled into a single Instagram post that you can find on our Instagram page, at The Inquisitive Bro. So look out for this pod's pod notes and the pod notes for future pods to come. Now, back to the pod. Let's switch to another team making big moves in the West. The Phoenix Suns acquire veteran point guard Chris Paul from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I like this move. Who would have thought that eight straight wins would give you such big balls as a franchise? Yeah, they're the big bubble team. 
I love the stars, man. I'm joking. I love the trade too because like, okay, look at the trade. What did what did the Suns actually give up? Ricky Rubio, a lot worse than Chris Paul. Kelly Oubre, he's expiring after this year. They weren't gonna like re-sign him anyway. He's replaceable. Ty Jerome, first round pick that hasn't done anything. Jalen, I don't even know how to say his last name. Lecky, Leck. No idea. Obviously, doesn't matter. He's done even less, although his nickname is Baby Westbrook, according to uh, wow. according to Basketball Reference. So I don't know. <laughs> Dude, those Basketball Reference nicknames, like some of them, I swear they just make them up on the spot. Yeah, get the interns, like make up a name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like so OKC isn't actually, I mean, the Suns aren't giving up anything bad. I, and Chris Paul didn't have that much trade value, but definitely more than before he went to OKC. Like I said, this is obviously an awesome trade. Chris Paul once you get over the fact that he's making $40 million a year, is still an awesome player. But see, I think that the Suns basically looked at what happened to OKC and said, okay, so you had this young core with upside, and they brought in this veteran point guard. And I think Phoenix is looking like, we got this young core with upside, we're going to bring in this veteran point guard. I don't see why they're not going to be the surprise West team that ends up finishing like 6-7 in the playoff standings and surprising a lot of people. Well, I think he, they can actually get a lot more well, higher than that, hold especially on. since let me, the Warriors. Let me stop you right there. They're still the Suns. They are still the Suns. They definitely have a big downside. They could totally miss the playoffs too. But if you're talking about an upside play here, I think they can finish as high as fourth. Chris Paul, even to this day, even his old man Chris, he can still get his own buckets. Chris and Paul. Yeah. I think that's going to help Booker take some of the offensive pressure away from him, some of the defensive looks on him for him to have a breakout year. Yeah, I actually have two things on that. One, yeah, CP3 totally can still play still ball and get his and get a bucket so last year he was actually ninth in win shares in the league and also had the second highest true shooting percentage of his entire career so it tells you at like the type of shape he's in right now Devin Booker also could totally benefit from an actual good point guard I actually made a list of just went through the Suns years since they had Devin Booker this is the point guards that Devin Booker has been playing with so for two years, he played with Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight, not exactly point guards, known for their playmaking. In fact, like Devin Booker basically was the lead playmaker there. Then after those guys left, he had to play with, in 2017, Alfred Payton, Tyler Eulis, and Isaiah Cannon. Gross. That changed to Tyler Johnson and Isaiah Cannon, and then finally Ricky Rubio last year. Chris Paul is far and away the best player this guy's ever played with in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, they've had no talent for him since he got there. Yeah, and... Now you have CB3, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, I think DeAndre Ayton, low-key DeAndre Ayton might be the guy who benefits the most from this. CB3 is going to find him all day. DeAndre, you can, I mean, obviously quibble with the fact that uh, they didn't take Luka Doncic, but DeAndre, to his credit, is a big man with very soft hands and very good offensive gifts and a developing defensive game. And then also Mikhail Bridges. Love the guy. I think this team can be pretty good. And... That's more than could be said in a long time. Without Chris Paul on this team, these guys were going to have the exact same season. So, great move for them. Yeah. They're making a splash. I like the move. Yeah, I think I mean, it's going to cost them 80 million bucks over two years. But, hey, money, it's fine. It's well, yeah, just, I mean, it's that's, there. Well, yeah, once you get over the fact, like, Chris Paul's still a great player. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that even if he, as he regresses at a reasonable rate to be expected of a point guard in his 30s, he's still going to be good Maybe not quite an all-star, but he's still going to be good by the time it's over. I think that's pretty safe. Like, off the top of my head, I think he's still probably a top four point guard in the West. Right now, he is for sure. Yeah. And maybe <laughs> um, in the league? 
Yeah, I wouldn't put it. Look, dude, ninth in win shares. I mean, yeah. come on. When he's thirty-seven years old, what's he gonna be? Probably still better than Ricky Rubio, right? So yeah, like his game is is mental. Like he's a floor general. It's not athletic. I think thirty-seven, he'll still be useful. Yeah, I think so too. Great move. As a quick aside, Ricky Rubio moving to the Wolves. I like that move for them as well. Going back to the place that drafted him. Yeah. But also, I think it's good to have an adult in that room. Um, <laughs> All right, everybody, settle down. Settle down. Well, he's not hes not like that type of guy. He's not the raw, raw guy, especially since his first language is Spanish. But <laughs> right. I know. I'm sure he speaks English great. But D'Angelo Russell, although he can lead a team, he's kind of like a little bit more of a risky player. I think it's just good to have a reliable playmaker. He can defend both guard spots to a certain degree. I think it's just good to have that guy kind of change the pace, a steadying presence. That's good for the season, and I think that helps. So good move for them. Yeah. Last but not least, man, let's talk about the defending champs. The Lakers are making moves, and I'm loving it. Yeah, they fucking stole Dennis Schroeder. Highway robbery. Oh, how did they pull that off? Was this even – was Dennis Schroeder put up – in the trade market for other people to get him? Because I swear to God you could have done better than Danny Green in the 28th pick. Uh, Yeah, dude, this guy was balling last year with upside. He's 26 years old, coming off his best season, averaged nearly 20 points per game in the West, and they got him for Danny Brick Green. Dude, this was amazing. So, like, Okay, so you didn't even want Danny. They shipped him for Horford. I don't get it. I feel like you could have gotten more from him. I don't like know why they're so eager to... I mean, I mean, maybe they couldn't, which would make no sense. I mean, Dennis is a good player. He's better than what a, what a rapidly declining Danny Green is going to get you. I can't think of a single 20th... team who wouldn't want Dennis Schroeder. Not a single team. I've got to think at least 10 teams could put together a package for him better than that one. Well, I don't think the Raptors necessarily need him. It was free. They gave him for free. Yeah. Danny I mean, sucks, yeah. and they moved him. Okay, well, here's the thing, actually. Like, So Danny Green, like 3 and D player, right? And we all know he's streaky, but... Other than that Raptors season, uh, a couple years back when they won the championship where he shot like 45% was on fire, he hasn't had a good three-point shooting season since 2015 with the Spurs. If you look at it, it's like bricking so many shots, and we already know how bad he can look. Like, he's not that useful as much as I do like his transition defense. And then the 20th pick in the draft, like, whatever, kicking the bucket. You get Dennis Schroeder, he's a good player. It's massive. This was a massive move for them. And, De- um, and Dennis Schroeder is also a better three-point shooter than Danny Green is actually yeah. right now. So am I, though. So, like, what are we really saying? <laughs> Lakers aren't done, though. I'm hearing KCPs on the trade block. Kuzma's... Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. Get rid of Kuz. Can we just... Can they just do their uh, Kuzma for Derrick Rose type of trade that we've... That everyone yeah, talks so about? Yeah, so I think Derrick Rose is coming. Also, this is a little bit more of a long shot, but I'm hearing some sort of a package deal for KCP for DeMar DeRozan. I don't believe that rumor. I haven't heard it. Like, DeMar did he did uh, sign his player option because so it would be dumb for him to drop it. Yeah, well, I mean, Gordon Hayward dropped his. Yeah, apparently uh, his agent has quite the deal set up for him. Also, Gordon clearly is so tired of being uh, in Boston. I guess so. Yeah. Now you and I disagree, though. I think Boston's happy that he didn't take his player option. Yeah. If we were gonna get this really quick, I think they are not. That's one of the reasons why they did extend his player option deadline by one day because Boston was frantically trying to get a trade for him. Now you just lose an asset for free. If you know Danny Ainge, he loves the assetization of his players. He doesn't want to lose Gordon Hayward for nothing because they're already capped out now. Now they don't have room to sign a max free agent. You're not going to get a player like Dan, uh, like uh, Gordon Hayward now just off free agency. So they're essentially losing him for nothing. And it's- But the guys that they were going to get back in a Hayward trade weren't going to be max guys anyway. So couldn't you go out and get those guys anyway and still be under the cap? No, uh, 
no, you can't like sign those guys. Like you can only sign a certain certain guys to mid level exceptions. So, like there's different types, obviously. The, trade is always an easier way to get a specific dude if you don't have cap space, right? So they don't heard, have cap space. We haven't heard where Hayward might be going. Uh, the rumor is the Knicks, and that would make a lot of sense why you drop they the Knicks just cleared up like about thirty five million dollars in cap space. Um, it would make a lot of sense to drop your $34 million, what would seem to be just an awesome deal for him. And maybe it's because your agent has gone to the Knicks and found some stupid deal that they're willing to offer you. Dude, if the, if the Knicks offer him that kind of a deal, his agent should be taking most of that. Like I, I would not offer Gordon Hayward that much money ever. He's ever. not going to, he's not going to get 34, but I mean, one of the reasons to turn it down would be if someone would give you like 30, right? There's a 60% chance he slips on a banana peel before the season and breaks his leg. Well, if he signs the deal beforehand, then it's all good. Not good for the Knicks? <laughs> Nothing ever works out for the Knicks. Anyway, Lakers looking good. Uh, I think KCP and Kuzma both get traded for better pieces before the season starts. They are going to win the West again. Wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to be on record in saying that I don't think KCP gets traded. Thank God KCP had a really good like bubble, which goosed his trade value so the Lakers could move him. Did you say goosed? Yeah, you ever you don't use goosed? I would have just assumed you'd say boost. Goosed. Is it boost? Well, you're boosting trade value. What the fuck is goosed? Is goosed not a thing? I don't they think go- so. No, no, goosed is a thing. 100%. They goosed it. No? I've never heard of that. Oh, you just heard it from me right now. <laughs> I feel like that roll off the tongue so easily. I don't think that was the first time I've used that. I've never heard you say that. Maybe goose, like you're stuffing a jacket with goose feathers. I don't know, dude. Why are you explaining to me? Because you seem perplexed. Yeah, but you don't seem to know what it actually means. Because you're trying to work this through too. Uh, Well, sometimes I say things that like I don't necessarily know off the top of my head, but I can work through it. Goose. Anyway, KCP, good bubble. Okay. Trade value high. They can move him for somebody better. And next year, he'll probably go back to being regular KCP. I also don't think his trade value is that high. Let's see what they get back. Let's see. What, you just, I don't think he's listen, getting trade. Hold like, up. Did you think Danny Green's trade value was high? No. No. And who did they get for him? Dennis Schroeder. That's another way to look at it. Maybe just fuck. Maybe people just still think Danny Green is somehow good. Well, Danny Green's not good. KCP will go back to not being good. No, neither of these guys are good. LeBron is good. Hold up. You had a really funny thing about Danny Green, real quick, about his championship ring. Yeah. Uh, Danny Green has not gotten his championship ring from the Raptors because he was waiting for the Lakers to arrive in Toronto, which never happened because of COVID. For example, the Clippers got to Toronto, and that's when Kawhi got his ring. Lakers never did. Um, So Danny Green, since being traded to the OKC Thunder and then subsequently to the 76ers, is now in his third different team since he's played for the Raptors and has still yet to get his ring. Now, if the Raptors end up playing games in Toronto, which might still be unlikely due to COVID, if Danny Green shows up, will they give him his ring in an empty stadium? I mean, he's been on record, I think, hoping to get the actual, like, you know, the fan celebration and everything. I mean, he has, he's, he's going to have to wait for his Lakers ring, too. He might, it might be years out before he gets <laughs> any of these rings. It could be. It could be. He could be ringless for a long time. All right, so last thing, NBA just approved the schedule for this upcoming season. December 22nd is the start date, 72-game regular season. And bigger thing, as we kind of saw in the bubble, uh, they've approved a play-in tournament for the lower seeds going into the playoffs. Yeah, it was a huge success in the bubble. Like It made sense for them to continue it. Okay, so we're going to try and explain how this play-in tournament works. Chris is going to give it a shot. How does this go down? Yeah, I guess it's kind of a complicated format. But basically, at the end of the season, you got the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th seeds. 
Now, the 7 and 8th seed are going to play each other in a game, and the 9 and 10 seeds are going to play each other in one game. The winner of the 7-8 game becomes the 7th seed. They've clinched a playoff spot. Meanwhile, the 8th seed now has to turn around and play the winner of the 9-10 game. The winner of that will play the 8th seed for a maximum of two games. Basically, what's happening is if the 8th seed wins one game, they're in. But the ninth or 10th seed, basically, they have to win two games in a row. And if they do, then they're the new 8th seed. So what could happen is that the 7th seed at the end of the regular season misses the playoffs and the 10th seed ends up in the 8th seed. Yeah, that's like that's inherently the the potential there it's like as if the blazers were the seventh seed and next thing you know they're losing two in a row to the kings and now the kings are in the eighth spot yeah right? see i'm not sure if i like this because like the seventh seed and the tenth seed could be separated by a lot of games to have it go down to two random games at the end of the year to lose four spots that's tough well i'd have to check again if there's a like for example in the bubble they have that four game minimum but if not you might not like it but are you gonna watch yeah you're gonna watch yeah, I'm going to watch, but if my team's a 7th seed and then we get bounced because of a stupid play-in tournament, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, name the game. Just win. Okay, that's all I got. Yeah, man. I, dude, if Chris, if Harden gets traded, this is going to be crazy. Crazy. NBA season's going to look totally different. Yeah, I mean, the NBA is starting to realize that it's about everything else but the game. Anything crazy goes it. on, I'll put it up at the Inquisitor Bro. Check us out on Instagram. It'll be up there. We'll talk about it. Should be fun. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Andrew. Later, man.